Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is coming. Our text for our sermon is Revelation chapter 4. After these things I looked and there was a door opened in heaven, and the first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must happen after these things. Immediately I was in spirit, and look, a throne was standing in heaven, and someone was sitting on the throne. The one who was sitting there looked like a jasper stone and a ruby. Around the throne there was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. Also around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and sitting on those thrones were twenty-four elders dressed in white garments with gold crowns on their heads. Out of the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and crashes of thunder. In front of the throne, seven flaming lamps were burning, which are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne was something resembling a glassy sea, which was like crystal. In the middle, near the throne and around the throne, there were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each one of the four living creatures had six wings, and the wings were full of eyes all around and underneath. Day and night without pause, they kept saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is coming. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders bow down before him who sits on the throne. They worship the one who lives forever and ever and lay down their crowns in front of his throne as they say, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive the glory and the honor and the power. For you have created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created." This is the will of our, the word of our Lord. This is the last Sunday of the church year, the, the Sunday in which we focus on the fact that Christ, who is true God, who became true man, is ruling from heaven. And when he returns, we will see that he is truly king of kings and Lord of lords. And in this vision given to John in our text, we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit ruling over all creation for the benefit and eternal well-being of those who believe in him. And so our sermon theme for this sermon is Christ is ruling over all creation. Our text begins telling us, after these things I looked and behold, there was a door opened in, and it literally says the heaven. And the first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after these things. What are these things? It's the messages, the seven messages to the seven churches. Here begins a new part of Revelation, and here it becomes very symbolical language, which in many aspects, we have to take our best guess what it means, but we have to be careful that we're not falling into fanciful flights of imagination. But notice how John is invited. He's told to come up to uh, the, the door is open to the heaven. Now, when it says the heaven, we have to understand, for example, in the, the Old Testament word Shemayim for heavens, uh, they saw there basically being the sky where the clouds are, space where the stars, the moon, the sun are. But then they saw totally separate the throne of God as kind of a, a way to talk to human beings because it's probably more like a different dimension in which God is above all creation. So here John is one of few people ever to get to uh, be before the throne of God and return. And
and remember Isaiah, it was scary for him. Uh, and when we think the other one, Paul talks about knowing a person who had that, and that's probably the apostle Paul himself. And notice that voice, powerful like a trumpet, come up here and I will show you what must happen after these things, after the messages to the seven churches. So we're told in verse two, immediately I was in the spirit and look, a throne was standing in the heaven. This is the ruling throne of God, where God rules over all creation. And we're told, and someone was sitting on the throne. The one who was sitting there looked like jasper, stone, and a ruby. Around the throne, there was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. Here we see the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. So yes, that definitely includes the Lamb, the Son, who was slain for us, who has ascended to heaven, and he's ruling for us. And we see him ruling in all of his glory. And and that glory radiates off of him as the color of different uh, stones and emeralds. And, of course, there's that stone rainbow. We want to always remember, because of the flood, because of Noah, the the, the rainbow is always a picture of peace. God at peace, especially because of the death of the Lamb who rose victorious, who ascended and is now ruling for us. And so Jesus Christ, who lived for us, who died for us, who rose for us, uh, ascended to heaven, and he's ruling on the throne with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And we see Christ is ruling over all creation. He reigns in all his glory, letting all of his godhood shine out. And when we hear of God's glory, we cannot help but to think about that cloud that led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt into eventually the promised land. And the fact that he continued to lead people who constantly grumbled against him, constantly rebelled, as you and I do, remind us that God's glory is his grace. So he's ruling from that throne in his grace. Grace is gifts received at Christ's expense. He's, he's ruling to bring you into creation and into salvation and keep you in salvation. So we see Christ is ruling as king over all creation. He reigns in all of his glory. And then in verse four, we are told also around the throne were 24 thrones and sitting on those thrones were 24 elders dressed in white garments with gold crowns on their heads. There were 12 Uh, patriarchs, if you will, in the Old Testament. So uh, there's always 12 elders in Revelation are always representing Old Testament believers. And of course, technically there was 13 apostles, but the original number was 12. There are 12 apostles in the New Testament. So that also shows New Testament believers. And we see them, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, with thrones, 24 thrones surrounding the throne at the center that is God's throne, and they even have those crowns on their head. What is this? They seem to be ruling in lesser thrones, or not even, they're not even described as lesser thrones, but they're definitely not the throne at the center. Well, remember uh, from our messages that Christ gave to the seven churches, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Uh, The words of encouragement near the end that he gave to Smyrna is, Do not fear anything that you are about to suffer. Look, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will suffer for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the victory crown of life. Don't let the devil and, and, and using human beings to persecute you cause you to renounce your faith. Because Christ had already given all believers the victory. As long as you believe in him, Christ's victory is yours. So he says, stay with that. And and you're not going to forfeit that. You will get to see that crown, that victory crown. And it's really Christ's victory given to us so that we have eternal life. And we will have the new heavens and the new earth and a glorified body. 
And in Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 through 27, near the end, the encouraging word he had for the Christians in Thyatira, he, we're told, To the one who is victorious and continues to do my works until the end, I will give him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an iron staff and shatter them like clay pots. Just as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. Now, you can say the morning star rules over all the other stars in the morning because it's the first one to appear, but it also is the marker of a new day. So you say it rules over the new day. Believers... And when they stay faithful, that was the message to Thyatira, they wouldn't forfeit, they would gain that, that they would get to be co-rulers with Christ. He got the authority from the Father and he was more than willing to share it. And we see those 24 thrones sharing that. Now, one more time, uh, in Revelation 3, verse 21, uh, the, the, near the end of his message to the church of Laodicea, he gives them this encouragement. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Believers get to co-rule with Christ, especially in the new heavens and the new earth. And so as we celebrate this last Sunday, and we know on the last day when Christ appears, even the unbelievers will know that is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We see Christ is ruling as king over all creation. We see he reigns in all of his glory. But here in verse 4, we see he reigns with believers. What a tremendous comfort. What an act of grace. What a gift he gives to believers. And then in verse 5, we're told, Out of the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and crashes of thunder. Now, the rumblings, the word in the Greek literally used is voices. And later in Revelation, it's going to be clear. John can hear and understand these are voices, although they're loud like thunder, like, like the crack of thunder. And so coming out of that throne is emanating a lot of power and glory. And then we're told, In front of the throne, seven flaming lamps were burning, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, the number seven is the number of God's grace. Remember that God is three in one and one in three, and hence we get the number seven. So seven is the number of perfection. It's God because God in his grace did all the work to save us, so it's perfect. And therefore, if we were to think we need to contribute to our salvation in some way, that would be imperfect, hence the number six in Revelation. That's for another sermon for another day. But those, the seven spirits, therefore, are the perfect number of the spiritual gifts God gives. And those were mentioned in chapter one before he even starts giving his message to the seven churches. Two of them have got the word right. Uh, several of them have something they need to fix. Five of them have something they need to fix. And one of them really is just as we saw the last one it was not it was just neutral it had apathy towards God so that needed to be fixed well well the seven spirits then are the are the, those burning are, are actually come from the Holy Spirit who not only creates faith in our hearts making us members of the bride of Christ but then he gives us the individual spiritual gifts that all of us have and they vary from person to person but those spiritual gifts then are given as a whole because we're believers to the church, the bride of Christ, which is made up of all believers. And it's a reminder for us. Sometimes little churches, for example, could say, we don't have all the gifts of a big church. And sometimes the big churches can complain that they don't have certain gifts of a small church. No matter how big or small a local gathering is of believers, they have all the gifts that they need. Sometimes members need to be encouraged to actually come and, and, and serve the Lord so that those gifts are being used. But God has given to his bride, especially the entire church, the invisible church, 
All the gifts you need, those comes from the Holy Spirit because not only does he create faith, but then he gives those spiritual gifts to us. But they're also a reminder that to our local individual congregations that we have all the gifts we need so long as we remain faithful. And these are before the throne of God. He is ruling, sending out those seven gifts, using them to benefit his bride, the church. And as he continues then, he says at verse 6, also in front of the throne was something resembling a glassy sea, which was like crystal. And it's because of this image of the throne of God that I chose this text to preach on for Christ the King Sunday. Literally, uh, in the Greek, we would say, and before the throne, we'd have to add the words, is something like a sea of glass similar to crystal. Remember that John is in exile in Patmos, and he can look across at night, on a clear night, look across and and, and see Asia Minor, the, the, the shoreline, maybe even see the lights of Ephesus. But the sea separates him. And talk to any sailor who's been out at sea, turbulent seas, turbulent waters, hurricanes, things like this. The sea can be very scary. But God rules over all of that. And the sea that's before his throne is crystal. It's like glass. Just like when Peter uh, saw Jesus walking towards the boat in that turbulent lake and, and, and says, Lord, since it's you, ask, uh, if you command it, I can walk. And, and, and he was able to, but then Peter lost his faith there, right? He, he quit trusting in God's power. He, he was distracted by the ways of this world. But Jesus died for us. He lived perfectly for us. He rose victorious over death for us. He has washed our sins away. He's ruling for us. And that picture of that glassy sea is what we want to remember as believers. Because before him and the thrones of the elders, there's that glassy sea. It's not turbulent. It's not separating them. We can approach the throne of God without fear of sinking because it's like crystal. We can approach the throne of God and there's no waves that are going to smack us in the face or drown us. Christ has won that peace with us. And so we see here with the seven gifts and that crystal sea, the peace for all who are able to be before his throne because he's washed them clean in his blood and given them faith. We see that he reigns for believers. So far we see Christ is ruling as king over all creation. He reigns in all his glory. He reigns with believers, but we also see he reigns for believers. Now in the second half of verse six, we're told... In the middle, near the throne and around the throne, there were four living creatures, full of eyes in the front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each one of the four living creatures had six wings, and the wings were full of eyes all around and underneath. We're given the impression these are not angels. In fact, they're literally called living beings. So they may not be the cherubim at all that is described when Isaiah goes up to heaven or that Ezekiel describes when he sees God's ruling activity. They seem to be living creatures, living beings. And each one of them represents an aspect of creation. Each one is actually a king of their aspect of creation. First, you have the lion. And, you know, we call him the, the lion, the king of the jungle, right? The king of the wild beasts. And then you have the ox. Well, now you have domesticated beasts. And it's really only been in less than 100 years that people use things like tractors. But before then, the most powerful domesticated animal you had was an ox. 
It's all the domesticated beasts that, that man rules over. Well, they're before the Lord. And then the third uh, looks like a man, has the face of a man. And remember, man is the crown of creation. And the last one, that's representative of what rules the skies. The eagle uh, is, is known as the king of all of the, all the birds in the air, right? And they got these wings, and it could be like uh, in the Old Testament where they cover their feet, and they, they can't cover their eyes because they are just covered in wings and, and everything with eyes. So, so this seems to be a little bit different, but you can move in various directions and planes with six different wings, can't you? And what is it with all those eyes? We're not told, but since each one of these represents an aspect of the living things in creation, wild animals on land, the domesticated animals, men, and the, and the, and the wild animals in the air, it seems that their eyes probably are best described by the psalm. The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you open your hand and you satisfy their every need. They are looking to the Lord there before his throne and he's ruling. So we have this picture ruling for all the aspects of the living beings in creation. Animals that are wild, animals that are domesticated, man and animals of the air. Of course, the animals of the sea are not, are, are of water are not represented here, but uh, this is symbolic image where, you're, where there's, the number is four, so it gives you a, a solid number. And so as we look at these creatures before he is thrown in this symbolism, we see Christ reigns in providence to provide for all of creation. God's promise to you is you're not going to starve to death unless it's the moment he decides to call you to heaven. Up until that time, he's going to keep you alive. And there's a reminder for us and a comfort. Our housing goes up and down in value. We worry, are we going to lose our jobs? Our retirement accounts can take a hit in bad economies and everything. God says, be a good steward, but look to me. I'm ruling over all creation to provide for you. And so we see Christ is ruling as king over all creation. He reigns in all of his glory. He reigns with believers. He reigns for believers. And we see he reigns in providence for all creation. And then we're told in the second half of verse 8, Day and night, without pause, they keep saying, Holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who is and who was and who is coming. Now, when it says without pause, literally the Greek word there is without rest. Right now, our bodies get worn out. They're created that we need rest. But these living creatures that are ever before his throne never get exhausted. And three times holy, the Father's holy, the Son's holy, the Holy Spirit is holy. Crying out this praise for him. And we're told whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders bow down before him who sits on the throne. They worship the one who lives forever and ever and lay down their victory crowns, their crowns in front of his throne as they say, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive the glory and the honor and the power. For you have created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. What a contrast that we have here as, as the created beings uh, cry out, holy, holy, holy. The elders representative, Old and New Testament church, all believers set down their crowns and they say that you're worthy of all adoration because of your will, you created all things and because of your will, they exist. So often today, and that's the contrast in our sinful nature, we say, Lord, let me tell you how to be God. Lord, let me tell you how to fix my problems. What kind of a God would allow this to happen or that to happen? We're the creation and we're a fallen creation. Without Christ having died for us, we'd be in big trouble. He's the one who's worthy. 
And it's hard for us to imagine that in paradise we will worship the Lord perfectly without our sinful nature in which we who don't even know all things, barely know even what's going to happen two minutes from now, try to tell God how to be God. But you'll notice they take their crowns off. Those are victory crowns that Christ has given to all believers, but they know who truly reigns. And they know they get to co-reign with him, but they know who the victory is, that he shared that victory with him. And so they see Lord, you get all the glory and power and you and I will do this perfectly in heaven, free from our sinful nature. We see here that Jesus reigns worthy of all adoration. He is the one who created all things. He's the one who's made us holy. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit taking care of his creation. And ultimately, when he returns, as Jesus returns as King of Kings, it will be made anew. And we will not have to deal with the world subjected to decay because Adam and Eve fell into sin. There won't be things like the common cold and hurricanes. And we will adore the Lord perfectly in the paradise that he will have made for us. So we see he reigns worthy of all adoration. This is the last Sunday of the church year. When we gather next week to worship, we'll be gathering to celebrate uh, the coming of the Lord taking on human flesh. But in the last Sunday of the church year, when we celebrate that he will return as king of kings and, and even his enemies will have to admit that is the king of kings and lord of lords, we see Christ is ruling as king over all creation. He reigns in all of his glory. He reigns with believers. He reigns for believers. He reigns in providence for all creation and he reigns worthy of all adoration. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.